um few different um acts of worship and it begin first by praying turaka so you can go ahead and pray turaka qiyam tahajjud i don't think anyone slept really uh al-istikhara. it could be a mix of some of these intentions if you're not praying uh you can go ahead and just sit in the musallah and make dua as you're doing this think of all those false gods that compete in your heart the, the false idol of money the false idol of fame all these false idols and you know remove them one by one that's not a god this is not a god only allah is my lord So Alhamdulillah, we, we, we began again with the prayer and we were able to spend time reading Quran and we were able to spend time doing dhikr. We'll have a talk now and then we'll have an opportunity for dua at the end and it'll be a relatively complete gathering. Um, if you want to make it even more complete at the end of every gathering, go ahead and donate something somewhere, maybe online to some of these launch good campaigns or some of these online resources and just put a dollar in. If you have a sadaqah box at home, put a dollar in that sadaqah box maybe that you deliver to wherever you're delivering to by the end of the week, by the end of the month. Um, so it's a little more complete even. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salam ala imam al-anbiya al-masarin. Wa ala alihi wa tayyibin wa tahirin. Wa sahabatihi wa man tabi'hum bi ihsan ila yawm al-deen. Allahumma ja'alna minhum ameen. I want to begin by apologizing first and foremost for yesterday. I've been told that the internet was very uh, choppy. I think we figured it out today, uh, right, Hamza Saab? I think we're having pretty good net connection today. And um, inshallah, we'll maintain this for the days to come, uh, Allah willing. Because there was a, it was a little choppy yesterday, I'm going to spend a few more minutes than I, than I would normally reviewing the concept that we covered yesterday because Apparently, it was so choppy that it was a little difficult for people to understand some of the things that we went through yesterday. And I'm not going to restate the talk completely, um, uh, just because that's obviously not prudent. But um, yesterday, we got into this discussion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gifting the man, radiallahu anhu, um, with uh, this gift of hikmah. And when he gifted him with this gift of hikmah, we spoke a bit about what hikmah is. And it is this idea of knowledge and wisdom uh, to be able to not only know things, but to be able to actually apply them properly. And what I mean by that is, uh, I think I gave the example yesterday, a common adage that knowledge is to know that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is to know that you don't put it inside of a salad, inside of a fruit salad, excuse me. I mean, you don't put it in a fruit salad. Um, 
wisdom is to be able to apply the knowledge correctly. And it comes with age, it comes with experience. Some people uh, are gifted it, are gifted this particular gift even when they're young. And Allah Ta'ala, um, He mentions, uh, that He gifts or He gives wisdom to whom He wills. And to whoever He gives wisdom, that that individual has been given this this great uh, gift, has been given a, a large share of goodness, a lot of goodness has been given to him, because wisdom itself is a is a is a great gift. But then the 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 byproducts of wisdom are are amazing as well. And we spoke about wisdom quite a bit, and we spoke about this idea of how when Allah Taala speaks about the wisdom. That uh, he gifted Luqman with Allah, he said, And there's a couple ways we can look at this. Number one, that verily we gifted Luqman with Allah wisdom so that he may be grateful to Allah, or verily we have gifted Luqman with Allah wisdom, um, and for that wisdom he should, uh, so he should be grateful to Allah, or because he gifted them wisdom, and due to that wisdom he's grateful to Allah. Meaning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has gifted all of us different sources of goodness, different opportunities, different gifts in our lives. And we should appreciate that and be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that gift that he gave us. For some of us, it may be wealth. For some of us, it may be knowledge. For some of us, it may be large family. Whatever the, whatever it is that he gifted us, we should recognize it. We should look at, at it with a discerning eye and seeing the good therein. And be grateful to Allah. And we spoke yesterday about gratitude. It's not only just a, it's not only a a statement that we make. Oh Allah, thank you. It's actually what we do with our hands, with our feet, with our hearts, our actions, and our feelings and our belief, along with our statements. They all wrap up together to to show wisdom, uh, to show gratitude. Excuse me. And the other way we look at it is that the wisdom was that he was grateful, meaning he was given wisdom, and part of wisdom is to be grateful. Um, that a truly a wise person is someone who's going to be grateful. And then there's layers for this. For example, there's people who are, are so wise that they are grateful to Allah Ta'ala, not only for what Allah has gifted them, but also for what he has not gifted them. So someone may have wealth and they're grateful to Allah, or someone may not have wealth and they thank Allah for the lack of wealth. Because they recognize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only wants good for us. And if he was going to want good for us through the source of wealth, then he would have gifted us wealth. And the fact that he did not gift us wealth means that he actually finds goodness in the fact that we don't have wealth and we should be patient lack of, uh, uh, in the lack of wealth. Also be thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that lack of wealth. And so, uh, and then we discussed uh, briefly that uh, the gratitude that we show in the end, it only helps us. When we're grateful for things, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will increase us in those things. And then even gratitude itself, for any blessing Allah gives us, even for one blessing, if we count just the different components of one blessing, we would not be able to do so. Or all of our life is a blessing with various minor blessings within it, and we'd never be able to even understand the full capacity of one blessing that Allah Ta'ala gave us. So verily, when an individual is grateful, that gratitude doesn't help Allah at all. It doesn't aid Allah. It doesn't increase Allah. Allah is also is already great. Rather, uh, that it only helps ourselves. That gratitude is only for ourselves. We're the ones who gain benefit from it. 
man kafar hamid whoever is ungrateful and that word kafar ingratitude the same word of someone disbelieving we spoke that shaitan his intention that he made very clear was to make it that human beings stop being grateful because when a person stops being grateful then they disconnect from the source to, uh, of the of the gifts they're given, meaning the, the the direction of their gratitude for the believer, which is Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and as we become less and less grateful of Allah, meaning less cognizant of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, eventually what happens is we just forget about Allah, and that's where a person falls into kufr or even worse, like shukr. If you switch the ra and the kaf, it becomes shirk. They fall into shirk. Like one, they forget about Allah, or two, they misdirect their gratitude directly towards someone else other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is ghani, he's free from anything we can offer in gratitude or in praise or in prayer. And he's Hamid, he's deserving of all praise, and he's deserving of all recognition and gratitude. And if he doesn't get it from us, he'll get it from elsewhere. I mean that it's not like he doesn't he doesn't need it, first of all. And we're not the only ones who could provide it for him anyway. So now from there we get into the next verse. That verily, Luqman, Luqman al-Ibnihi, that verily, when it called, when Luqman said to his son. Now, in the Quran, Allah says, what is, it's really, wazkur is, and remember when. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he constantly reminds us to remember. And the reason why he reminds us to remember is because human beings, nisyan, Insan, it comes from this idea of nasiyah, nasiyan, we're constantly forgetting. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us to remember. He, he, he orders us, wazkur, to remember. Why? Because the more we begin to cause ourselves to remember, the more we can take heed and lessons from what's happened in the past. You know, so many times in Quran, Allah ta'ala, wazqala, wazqala, meaning wazkur, uh, you know, remember one, remember one, remember one. Why is Allah Ta'ala telling us to remember when such was said or such and such was done? The purpose is because when we have a remembrance of things that happened in the past, then it will cause us to take a lesson from that incident. Um, and remind them of the days of Allah Ta'ala. And there's various interpretations of what ayyam Allah means. Some are those great moments in history that show power and the and, and awesomeness of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. However, everything can fall in the category in some way, shape, or form of ayyam Allah because every moment has some type of benefit, some type of lesson that we can gain from it. So, وَإِذْ قَالَ لُقْمَانُ لِبْنِهِ And remember when Luqman said to his son, now, his son, according to some of the ulama, his name is An'am. And some of the scholars say it's Ashkam. And some say it's Mathan. Whatever his son's name is, it's again similar to Luqman, radiallahu anhu. We don't really find the need to know his name. Meaning, you know, I was just talking to a group today of uh, a group of young men on the West Coast. They, uh, they have Quran recitation. I think every week they they have a signed portion. They try to do a khatam of Qur'an weekly or monthly. And so I was speaking with them today. And we are talking about this concept we spoke about two days ago from Luqman. He did not try to be out in public and try to be well, uh, try to be known. Right? He had the chance to be a prophet according to one opinion or a, a, or a, or a wise person. And prophets are people of wisdom. But he chose to be hidden 
and serve the community rather than be in the public and serve the community. And yes, there are people who need to be in the public eye as well. And what I was mentioning in particular, was, uh, to them in particular was the following, that look, if you look at the incident, this incident, when Luqman anhu speaks about what happened, meaning Allah speaks about what happened, Luqman anhu, I should say, this conversation between him and his son, there were no, there were no recording mechanisms there. There wasn't a phone that could record. Um, there was uh, uh, there weren't camcorders, which really don't exist anymore. Anyway, um, there were, there weren't recording devices, nor were there like social media platforms where you would post something that happens. Right, that wasn't there either. But you know, it's funny. In this world, we want people to see us, even if we don't. Have to, we definitely want people to see us. So we post, post, and post about ourselves. Try to put a religious spin or a humble spin towards it. And the reality is that, you know, often we have to struggle with our own intentions. At that time, what recording mechanism was there? If it was in the time of Dawood, according to one opinion, or Ayyub, according to another opinion, sometime Bani Israel, what was the recording mechanism there? There wasn't one. But Allah is Al-Hafiz and Al-Hafiz, He's the preserver and the protector. He was the recording mechanism. Meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was the one who's recording because he records everything. That Allah has his creation recording what his other creation is doing. The angels are recording regularly what the other what, what we're all doing. And then, you know, we always post things up for the world to see, even if we try to put a humble spin towards it or on it. But look, Luqman alone did post this conversation. You know, have a conversation in hindsight, think, oh, this is a good thing. Let me post the world what I just said. Kept it to himself. There's no social media platform to post it anyway. But what does Allah Ta'ala do? He takes that incident and he posts it. He takes that incident and he posts it. He doesn't post it on Instagram or on Twitter or on TikTok or whatever else exists. He posts it on the greatest platform, the Quran. One where the post will never be deleted. It can't be deleted. It's in the hearts of those who memorized it since the time of Allah until today. And two, it's in the books and have been sort of written and preserved since the time of the Prophet until today. And even towards the end of time when these words will be these words will be taken away, these words will be taken away from the earth. We know that it's going to still be posted and preserved where? In the Lohim Mahfuz, in the preserved tablet. So when something has to be posted, quote unquote, exposed and shown to the world, no matter how much a person tries to hide it, Allah exposes it. Allah shows it. And no matter how much a person tries to show something, show themselves, etc., and put a spin of positivity on it, though the intention may be held, Allah can, could, uh, you know, couldn't care less. Because in the end, the world doesn't need to, it doesn't go viral. And if it goes viral, there's no real benefit. People forget about it. All those viral things in the past, you know, decade that have occurred, we don't even remember half of them. If I remind you, like, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was strange. But in general, we don't really remember those incidents at all. So do this for Allah. Keep the eye out of the picture. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring goodness from it. I'm reminded of a very interesting hadith where uh, Rasulullah stated about a man from Bani Israel. This man from Bani Israel, actually, I'm reminded of a few incidents now uh, in hadith about people from Bani Israel and from Umm as well, 
who did ask that um, um, uh, that they never posted, but Allah posted it. But anyway, I want to share this one that popped in my mind right away. And that was the one was that wanted to give sadaqah, but wanted to do so secrecy. That person went out and gave sadaqah in secrecy at night so no one can see what this person is doing. The next day, um, 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 that person wakes up and goes out and the community is abuzz. And what are they abuzz with? This conversation that you hear, last night someone gave money to a prostitute. Oh man, what was I doing? I gave it to someone like this. Okay, you know what? Tonight I'm gonna give money elsewhere. Okay, so then the night comes in his secrecy goes and he gives wealth. The next day, you know, it's been posted. Did you hear? Last night someone went out and they gave money to a thief. So the person's thinking, what am I doing? So okay, tonight I'm gonna get it right. So in secrecy at night goes and gives money. And then the next morning, what happens? It's all the raid. Well, it's all the rave, I should say. Um, what are they talking about? They're talking about, did you hear last night someone gave money to a wealthy man? Now he's so embarrassed. That I tried in my, my, my in whatever attempts to be sincere, to give something in secrecy, and now it's been posted in public. His name wasn't exposed, but it was, it was done. And I did it wrong each time. One to a barrier, one to like a, like a thief, one to... Uh, a wealthy person, and that night he goes to sleep. He's very A voice comes to him in the dream and says what? Because he was so upset. That that money you gave to that woman who used to sell herself, perhaps that was the money she needs, that from there on, she won't have to sell herself anymore. And that money you gave to that thief, maybe that thief now, the money he needed, he won't have to steal, or something will overcome his heart that he's taking from others, yet there's people like this who are giving away. And so it will cause him to soften his heart and what? Not steal anymore. And then that money you gave access to a wealthy person, maybe it'll inspire that wealthy person now to go and give, find people and give to uh, other people as well. Meaning, he do things in secrecy all the time. When Allah needs to expose he will for the sake of the benefit of the greater world. And people can try to expose whatever they do Allah obviously doesn't mean anything, but there's no benefit for the people. So it might go viral for a few days, a few months, and yeah, and it's just done, and no one talks about it anymore, and no real benefit came from it. So anyway, let's move on. Now, the first thing we say, and, and then it goes, Ya Bunaya, la tushrik billah. So Luqman, he said to his son, and he was giving him wow, he was giving him strong advice. He was giving him um, uh, something more than just regular nasiha. And he says, Ya Bunayya. So two things occur over here. Number one, we see the role of the parent and the elder of the, uh, uh, in the community. You've been given wisdom by your experience. I'm older now too, I'm in my 40s. So you've been given wisdom experience. And part of our job is to give that advice to people so they're able to fix themselves. So many times we take benefit, but we don't pass that benefit on. The nature of benefit is that it's supposed to be something that's passed on. 
You take it, you give it to others. They take it, they give it to others. They take it, they give it to others. It's the sanad of goodness. So if that someone might say, well, I, you know, when you gain knowledge, when you gain wisdom, it was gifted to you by someone. At the very least, Allah inspired you with it, or it was gifted to us by some of our elders. Somehow it reached us. And part of our job is to maintain that continuity so others get it as well. And that's part of the zakah of knowledge. The ulama they speak about the zakah of knowledge. It's to act upon the knowledge and also to give knowledge. There has to be wisdom with it. Today we're talking about in one of the, uh, uh, you know, um, there's a halaqa that we have. In the halaqa, there was a hadith brought And the hadith brought up is a very interesting hadith. And the reason why it's so interesting is because the hadith in the book that was being discussed was, it falls one chapter title, but there's a nuance at the end of the hadith. And the hadith is narrated from um, um, Suleiman bin Sadr, uh, bin Sard, anhu. and he said that one time, Kuntu jalisan wasallam, that we're sitting with the Prophet and when they were sitting with the Prophet wasallam, and this is mentioned in Sahih Muslim, that they saw two people, and they were arguing intensely with one another, to the extent that they were actually cursing one another out. And it got so bad that one of the ahaduhuma wajhuhu that his face began to redden. You know, when someone gets very angry, their face changes color. And then the veins began to protrude like on the neck or like on the side. The veins began to protrude in that person. And when the veins began to protrude and his face became red, the Prophet and Sahaba, they're witnessing this. So the Prophet he says that the phrase that he were to say this right now. So he tells the companion sitting with him as they're watching what's happening. There's a phrase that if he were to say this right now, what we find happening to him would go away, would dissipate. It's a'udhu billahi shaitan rajim. I seek refuge in Allah from the accursed Satan. So the hadith continues that, that the, the companion was, one of the companions was listening to this, he got up and he went and he told that man. That the Prophet ﷺ, he saw was happening. And he said um, that if you were to say these words, that what's over me would leave you. And that companion, that man who's angry, turns to the companion who's telling him this and said, What? Don't you think I know this? And he's going to get angry with him. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this is that if you look, everyone knows that from the various signs and the specialities, of our deen is that we have characters that Allah loves. Kuntum khayra ummatin nas. From the from the communities taken forth from mankind, you're the best of them. Why? You enjoin good and forbid evil and you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet was the best of our ummah and the best of all creation. Why didn't he get up at that moment and enjoin good and say something? Because in Amr bin Ma'roof and Nahi Munkar enjoining good and forbidding evil, there is a wisdom and there's a science behind it. Sometimes a person enjoins good, it can actually cause more harm. The Prophet recognized that that person was not ready to receive advice. He was not ready to receive this advice. The companion who heard this advice took it upon his own shoulders to go and relay that advice. But the Prophet recognized he wasn't ready, so he didn't go give the advice himself. He told the other Sahaba saying this, that look, it's sort of implicitly this happens to you, say, I will be rajim. 
But if that person is going to bed, the Prophet would have gone and told that person. Now, the way that com- that, that man responded, the companion responded with anger to the other companion who told him, can you imagine if he responded that way to the Prophet? It would have potentially compromised his faith. So the Prophet did not put him in that trial and tribulation. He left him be. So when we say here with Qala Luqmanu Libnihi, Wahua Ya'iduhu, when Luqman or remember when Luqman radiallahu said to his son and he gave him warning, he gave him strong advice. First thing we have to recognize is when do we give advice? It is not appropriate to always give advice. Sometimes the best advice is stay quiet. And if you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes in the marriage, advice may be necessary, but it's not our place to say it. The wife says to the husband, the husband's going to get upset. The husband says to the wife, the wife's going to get upset. Sometimes you're not the right person to say it. Oh, but I'm, I'm the man of the house and I have to say something because, no, you don't have to say something. Sometimes if you say something, it can cause more harm. The same comes sometimes when there's, you know, new students of knowledge or young scholars and they see an elder doing something wrong, they go and try to interject and say something. It could cause problems. Better is to use wisdom in that situation. I remember once when I was in a gathering. This was years back, years back, almost like 20 years ago. And I was 16, 20 years ago, young student, you know, so, you know, all this, you know, excitement of spreading Dean, etc. And I had come to a gathering of town and um, Maghrib time just came in. I just flew in. And I went to this gathering, and Maghrib time just came in. And there were some elders in this gathering. Uh, they were older than me, like considerably older than me, 20, 30 years older than I am, even if not more, 30, 30, 35 years older than me. And it was time for Maghrib. And I was the elder. They weren't really traveling. And so um, when it was time for Maghrib, I told uh, one of them who hadn't prayed with the others that, like, I'm in Maghrib. Do you want to join? And so he didn't say anything. So I kept pushing the issue. So finally, he started something like you and your prayer, which is potentially a word of code because he's disassociating prayer himself, potentially a word of code. Since then, I have so much regret for what I did. It would have been better if I just told the table, I'm going to go pray. If anyone wants to join, join me. And just assumed that that person might pray later. Maybe he's uncomfortable praying behind me. Maybe he has to do wudu. Maybe he used the restroom and some uh, najas on his clothing and now he can't pray. Give him the benefit of the doubt. I already told him to pray. I already told him to go pray. And I should have left it at, to, to be. But in my own arrogance and ignorance, push the issue until he said something he should not have said. And Allah knows best the situation thereafter. So you have to know the adab of giving advice. Sincerity is also yes. we said to whom? The Sahaba asked to whom? The Prophet mentioned to Allah, to his book, to his messenger, the leaders, the believers, and the general population public. You can't advise Allah in his book. So we're sincere to those two. The Prophet were sincere to him, and in some cases he took advice to people. And then we can advise the leaders and advise the general public. When it comes to them, even then we have to be careful because sometimes they can't take the advice. So we have to ask look to see in which situation do we give the advice, in which situation do we not give the advice. There's a narration in the Sahih where a man was approaching 
And Aisha radiallahu anhu sitting with the Prophet indicated to her that so-and-so is coming. He's not a good person. So cover yourself properly. So she covered herself a little more. And then when he came, the Prophet spoke to that man with such sweetness and kindness. The Aisha radiallahu became confused. And when he left, he said, wasn't he the one that you said that there's, that there's not goodness in him or he's lacking certain goodness? The Prophet indicated what? That he had to act wisdom and tact in this situation. Meaning that you have to sometimes be wary of the situation and not exasperate it and make it worse. If you make it worse, the problems could be much, much worse as a result of it. So what do we do? We handle the situation with wisdom. So when the time comes to advise people, we have to be careful. How will we advise? We'll advise everyone. And if we do advise everyone, how are we going to go about it? Now, the next thing we see is he says, Ya Bunaya. Ya Bunaya, this is Ism Tasghir. Ism Tasghir is um, um, the diminutive form. Diminutive form meaning it's the form by which you, it's like a nickname. You make something small, like we say, like Abdullah, the slave of Allah, Ubaidullah, the, the, the small slave of Allah. It's like a cute way of saying it, diminutive way, a, a kind way of saying it. Um, um, Hassan radiallahu anhu and his brother Hussein. Hassan, goodness are good. Hussein, the little goodness. Meaning, not that the amount of goodness is little, but he was younger than Hassan radiallahu anhu. So he's Hussein, the younger one. Right? And so we have this form in our deen. Ya bunay. It's a diminutive way of saying it. It falls in the fu'ayl form. So when he does this, this brings up such an excellent point in our deen. That is, when you're going to give advice to someone or address someone, you're supposed to do so in a way where that person heart, a person's heart opens up to, opens up to me. To come and use harsh language or harsh words and expect the person to listen. We're going to anger that person even more. Look at the conversation between Ibrahim and Ismail. He says, Ya uh, my dear son, inni arafi manami anni that my son, my dear son, not Yabni, my dear beloved son, I saw in a dream I'm supposed to slaughter you. Tell me what you think. It's a harsh statement he's going to make. So you practice it with something to let the person know that I have love for you, I care for you. And then even the response from his son is what? Ya Abati. Ya Abi. Ya Abati, my dear father. What you've been commanded to do. The exchange here, just by virtue of the words that they, the, the labels they're using to call one another, shows that there's love and endearment. And so it's like, it's like fertilizing or, or, or making fertile the soil of the heart before dropping in the seed of words and advice. And that was a prophetic way. The Prophet lesson, he used to speak to people using the best of words. The kindest of words. One time he was looking for Ali radiallahu anhu. When he went to the home of Fatima radiallahu anhu, he was not there. And uh, then he found out he was in the masjid. He goes to the masjid, Ali radiallahu anhu. And he was laying down in the masjid. So when the Prophet came, he was laying down the dust. So he got up, put all this dust on him and said, he called him Abu Talib, the father of dust. He didn't call him the dirty one or anything. He didn't even say Ali, Abu Turab. Why? It was a term of endearment. I see something with you right now. Abu Rayra. Abu Rayra, according to some of the ulama, his name was the Shams before Islam. In Islam was Abdurrahman. They call him Abu Huraira, the father of the little kittens that he would take care of. 
when you give these nicknames, there's a connection, especially in relationships like marriage. You know, you know, sometimes you see like within our parents' generation or their parents' generation, that they would never call each other by their first names. They would always use like a nickname or something like Sano, like listen. Um, but the idea of staying away from the actual fame was a practice of the people of piety to honor and show endearment and, and show respect. It was an, a way of showing respect and honor and endearment. Prophet used to call Aisha Humaira, the young red one. Some scholars mentioned her, her hair may have been reddish. Some scholars mentioned that her complexion may have been reddish. But he referred to her that way. So it softens the heart. It softens the heart. And when that happens, then the person is more likely to then heed the advice. And subhanAllah, if a person is always speaking that way, and then one day they call that person their name, it's going to be obvious that something is wrong and there's a sense of seriousness. Even in, you know, in, 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 in like English culture, we have this, we have like, you call a person by their first name, but when the, you get very serious, the parent says the first and middle name, last name, then you be shaken because, you know, something's up. They normally don't address you by those names. So yeah, Bunaya, it's this way of addressing someone such that you're fertilizing or you're making fertile, I should say, the soil of the heart. Then you can drop in the seed. It will go deeper. It won't just bounce off. And it will be accepted. And then it will grow into what you want it to. It says, Don't do shirk with Allah. Subhanahu Don't have any partner with Allah. Rarely shirk is a grave, grave oppression and wrong. Now, what's interesting over here is that a like, person looks at any advice that he could have started the conversation with. He could have gone directly to that piece of advice, but he begins with this idea of what Allah Ta'ala. Now, the order they speak about in the time of Salaf, that our deen had three types of fiqh. There's fiqh al-akbar, fiqh al-awsaq, fiqh al-asqar. The greater, the middle fiqh, and the lesser fiqh or the smaller fiqh. Nowadays, when we say fiqh, we're always speaking about like ju- uh, like a jurisprudence, legal rulings, etc. And unfortunately, people become Muslim or people are beginning to learn about that, they learn about right away. But in traditional societies, they actually began to learn fiqh al-akbar first. Fiqh al-akbar was aqidah. Why? Because if we don't know for whom we are doing what we're doing, if we don't know the greatness of whom we are submitting, or to whom we are submitting. Of whom to we submit, I should say. And we can never fully understand it. Then we'll never fall in love and want to do these actions. And then it'll be something forced. But traditionally, you would learn about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you would learn His greatness, and His awesomeness, and His vastness, and His might, and His strength, and whatever we're thinking, He's beyond that. And his 99 attributes mentioned in one location, and other attributes mentioned in other locations, the fact that beyond that. So the person begins to learn about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you'll see two verses from here, how it's very interesting how he teaches about Allah ta'ala to his son. It's a different conversation. But that becomes the essential point of advice to his son. Because when a person's on tawheed and they're on proper tawheed, everything follows in suit. If a person learns their fiqh, etc., 
but they have not strengthened that tawheed, everything will fall from the wayside. Literally, I just received a message right before we started making dua for my son. It's from a father whose son. So, Khadija, want to lay down here? Okay. It's a father whose son. I'm going to turn the light off so you can see. You can rest easy. You can go turn the light off. Go. They don't, I don't need a light. Go ahead. Turn the light off. Just laying on. Sorry, I know this looks weird, but my daughter woke up. I'm not going to have her uh, stay awake with uh, this light over here. So it's a father whose son uh, is struggling with uh, accepting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, I'm not blaming this father at all. May Allah make it easy for him. This is a struggle. May Allah protect us from this type of difficulty to have our children um, uh, um, struggle, you know, struggle with the oneness of Allah ta'ala. Is, is a very difficult task. May Allah uh, protect us from it. But it's something that even exists today. So for ourselves, what, we're, what we should try to do is from very early on, make our children connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is a great scholar. Uh, Hamza, can you message me the name of the scholar? I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, he's in the chain of the spiritual sensula that... Um, our teachers are a part of. Um, Kaki is his nickname. Should I say that? Go, go, go upstairs. Okay. Kaki. No, uh, he was early Kaki. And he's called Kaki because of a specific story. And if anyone knows, if you can just message it to me, or if you can message Hamza, who will message me, I'll see it on the phone right away as I'm speaking. Um, can't believe I'm forgetting this right now. Uh, it's embarrassing I'm forgetting this right now. But anyway, why was he given this nickname? So it's a very interesting story. There was this thing that becomes a scholar later. His mother used to have this practice that when her child would come home from study, that she would bake bread for him, make like a roti for him. And then she would place it, hide it somewhere. And then when the child would come home, he would be hungry. And she would tell the child, go do wudu. And go make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, yes. Bakhtiyar al-Ka'ki. Exactly. Qutbuddin Bakhtiyar al-Ka'ki. Rahmatullah alayhi. So he would go ahead and he would uh, do wudu. And she would say, make dua to pray and make dua. Pray to rakah and make dua to Allah. And make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He gives you food. So he would do this, and then she would say, now look for it. And then she, he would look, and he would find it, and then he would eat it and be very happy. And this is a regular practice his mother established in his life. One day, she's, with, she's away from her home, and she notices that some time has passed, and she realized her son will be home from his studies, maktab studies, whatever, mother's studies, maktab studies. He'll be coming home. And she needs to hurry home to cook a roti or bake a roti for him, a, a bread for him, so that he can then continue with his practice. So when he, uh, she's on her way home, she begins to realize that I'm not going to make it home on time. I'm not going to make it home on time. So now she's panicking and she's rushing and she's panicking and she's rushing. And when, she, when the realization sets in, horror. Because she knows this entire plan she's had all this time to make her son trust in Allah 
is going to all fall by the wayside. It's going to fall apart. And it's really worried, extremely worried that it's all going to fall apart and her sons are know that she was doing this the entire time. And then maybe it's going to cause her uh, 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 yaqeen that she has in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to go away. Because that's what she was doing this, uh, in the first place. So now she's rushing home and she begins to cry and make dua to Allah. And to make the oh Allah, do not let this apart. I did something wrong here. Forgive me for it, but don't let my son be tested now in this regard. She races home. She gets home, and you know sometimes children, when they're very hungry, they cry, they cry, they cry, and they just go to sleep out of hunger. Should I sit down anymore? Let's go again. And so she comes home and she sees her son asleep. She's heartbroken. So she goes and she begins to like prepare uh, baking this bread and then she bakes this bread and then she hides her regular practice. And she goes and then she wakes up her son and, she, and she's, she's like, she's in tears. Oh, my son, I'm so sorry for being home late. Go, 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 um, you must be hungry. Go do wudu, pray to Raka, ask Allah for food, he'll give you food. And she, he says that, well, my mother, I, I'm not hungry. I've always eaten. She's shocked. Where did you get food from? And he said, oh, my mother, I did what you always tell me to do. I prayed, I, I did what do, I prayed to Raka, and then I looked for the food. And she said, what, what, what happened? He said, something strange happened today. I came home, you weren't home. I was hungry. So I did what you told me. I did wudu. I prayed to Allah. I made dua. And I searched. And I couldn't find the food. So then I thought maybe I didn't do my wudu well enough, very well enough. So I did wudu again. I prayed again. I made dua. And I was asking Allah, oh Allah, I'm very hungry. My mother's not even home today to give me food. So Allah, please give me food. And I went and I searched. And like the other day, I found the bread. But this time when I ate this bread, this cooked baked bread, it tasted better than any bread I've ever tasted before. That's why he's known as Qutbuddin Bahia al Ka'ki. Ka'aka is a type of bread or like cake type item. So he's known Ka'aki of the bread or of the cake. But these are things that we can all do. I'll give an example. Someone I know what he does is that he has like a some sort of van that you know you press the button on the key. And then like the doors open. And so what he would do with his child, what he would do with his child, what would he do? Like he would tell his child that, oh, I have to go and go to the car. So make dua to Allah, the door opens. So the child would say, oh, Allah, make the door open. And in his like pocket, he would like secretly press like the button for the van door and the van door would open. And then, and then, he, and then he'd say, oh, your dua worked. And then, like, uh, you know, I wondered, like, was there any time where it didn't work, etc. He's like, yeah. And then I would just tell my son, like, you should make more. Like, not making the line enough. Make more. And he's like, oh, Allah, please. Because, like, he's fumbling. He's trying to find it without his son noticing it. Oh, Allah, please make the van door close or open. Then he would press the button. It would close. And it's just one of those things that early on, it sets a child up with Tawheed. You know, we can... Tell our child that come sit down, I'm making dinner. Or we can let the child understand that come make dua to Allah, that he gives me strength to make you dinner. Because if I don't 
uh, if Allah doesn't give me strength, I'm not going to be like dinner. When we sit down to eat and we read the du'a, and we tell our children that why are we reading this du'a? Because I didn't make this. I didn't buy this. Allah gave it to us. He used us to bring it, but He's the one. And they might say, what are you talking about? Then you can say, didn't we go and drive to pick up food? Yes. Well, what if my hand didn't work to start the car today? Would we have been able to get it? No. What if my foot didn't work to press accelerator? Would we be able to get it? No. What if, um, you know, I, I, I was sick and I couldn't work have money to pay for the food? No. See, who let us do all that? Allah did. And that's how we instill at an early age in our children. So we say, Ya Bunaya la tushrik in the shirka that we let our, our child understand and we let our children understand that we remove doubt. And you know, one of the ways is just by taking our children out into nature. Because look, we're surrounded by all these, you know, like even here, like on the bookshelf, we have like this, um, we have like this fake fireplace. It's a heater with like some light. So, how do you use this? My kids are very good at this. I don't know if the color is changing or not. There's a way to change it. The color is changing, right? Wait, it's a, it's a different color that's showing, whatever the case may be. Look for around these things long enough, we're going to think, wow, look how amazing it is. And it's all man-made. And we're going to begin without net recognizing to put so much, uh, so much, have so much amazement on man-made things. But if you ever sit around an actual bonfire, like this, there's no heat, unless I turn the heater up, there's no heat coming from it. And the colors, they're just like whatever, like hologram, whatever that image is, light bulbs. You go in the fire, you see the way the fire rages. And the way some parts are hotter, so it's turning blue, and some parts are less, uh, there's less heat, so it's orange. And the way there's like this beauty and like this this horror and this awesome power with natural fire that Allah made. And so, you know, we have to expose our children to nature, expose ourselves to nature. The less we're in nature, the more we're in man-made things, we're always in offices, etc. the more we're going to, what, um, not see the beauty of nature. And then we're not going to see the beauty of Allah's creation. The more we take breaks away, from what our cell phones show us in those images. You know, people go on Google images and they check out these great pictures of places. Just go outside and see a basic sunrise. It will naturally cause Dohi to enter into hearts. So that's the first advice. And that's the first advice we should give to our children. We shouldn't force it down their throats. We should teach them Dohi. And someone might say, well, look, that just sailed. My child is older. It's never too old to teach the children about Dohi. Now you might have to be a little more creative in how we go about this. So, for example, you know, uh, you know, people who are have inclinations towards atheism, teach them about poetry. Teach them about poetry. Take them through a course on poetry. Then take them through a course on Arabian poetry, pre-Islamic poetry. Then show them how the Quran did this, and how the Quran mastered all the forms of poetry over the course of twenty-three years, such that verses that were not even revealed in order. Not even the same day, not even the same scene, not in the same circumstance, still maintain the meter over that period of time. You know, I, I'm an English teacher. When I studied this reality, this miracle, you know, a person is unable to comprehend how this could happen. 
It's only a miracle from Allah. Show them the i'jaz of Quran. The miracles of Quran are called the i'jaz of Quran. What's i'jaz? A'jaza yu'jizu i'jaz fahuwa mu'jaz. Wa a'jaza yu'jizu i'jaz fahuwa mu'jaz. I'jaz is something that incapacitates you. You study the miracle of the Quran about all the, of the realities of the, of the embryo. It could not have been known at that time or the, the historical truths of Quran that could not have been known at the time. Uh, about Prophet Yusuf the story of Yusuf is so detailed in Quran that the Bible and the Torah could not, uh, could, did not have that detail but the Quran gave it and someone might say well you know the Prophet did see Buhaira or Bahira however you want to pronounce it the monk when he was so you're telling me that all of a sudden he took 6,000 plus verses in one day couple hour meeting and he remembered it for 40 years later, and then you uh, pass it off as revelation. Come on, speak with some intelligence. Oh, there were some Christians in the community. Then how come no one documented the fact that he spoke with them? Because these other instances where he spoke with rabbis and monks, those were all documented. Why no one, the, all the haters at that time didn't even say that he did this. This became theory later. So the reality is for us. That if we want to, to, to bring Tawheed into the lives of our children, get them into Quran in an academic perspective. And when they see that only Allah could have done this, it will help bring Tawheed into their hearts, even if they're older. Take them into nature. Don't have to be so blatant, oh, Allah made this. Just let them experience Go camping for a weekend. Let them experience it. And those types of things will begin. You know, we have all these processes that we consume. We're always in think of man-made things. Get them off sugars for a period of time and then reintroduce them to the sweetness of fruit. Not fruit chat. That's a man-made abomination. Fruit. And then what will happen? Let them enjoy the beauty of what Allah gave. You know, if you ever have a child who gets off of Coke, meaning Coke, Pepsi, those products, and then they have water, they, they actually enjoy the taste of water. So there's a way to bring that tushrik billah. This idea of not associating partners to Allah, even to the lives of our older children. We ask Allah to be able to do so in our own lives and their eyes as well, their lives as well. After that one, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. I'm Salihana, Sayyidina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sallam. Rabbil Atina fi dunya hasana, wa fi al-akhirati hasana, wa qina azab al-nar. Allahumma hadina fi man hadayt, wa aafina fi man aafayt, wa tawana fi man tawalayt. وبارك لنا فيما أعطيت وقنا شر ما قضيت فإنك تقضي ولا يقضى عليك فإنه لا يذل من وعيت ولا يعز من عاديت فارك ربنا وتعاليت اللهم انصر المسلمين في كل مكان اللهم انصر المجاهدين في كل مكان اللهم من اللهم انصر من نصر دين محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم منهم واختل من خلنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تجعلنا معهم اللهم اللهم احفظنا اللهم احفظنا من كل بلاء الدنيا والآخرة اللهم إنا نسألك حبك وحب من يحبك وحب عمل يقربنا إليك ونسألك جنب الفردوس بغير حساب ونعوذ بك من عذاب النار وعذاب القبر وفتن المحيا والممات وفتن المسيح الدجال اللهم اللهم إن ظلمت نفسي ظلما كثيرا ولا يغفر الذنوب إلا أنت فاغفر لي فإنه لا يغفر الذنوب إلا أنت اللهم إنا نظرمنا أنفسنا 
ظلم كثيرا ولا يغفر الذنوب إلا أنت فاغفرنا فإنه لا يغفر الذنوب إلا أنت اللهم آتي مسنا تقواها وزكها أنت خير زكاها أنت مولاها اللهم 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 ربنا لا تقلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وحب لنا من دونك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب Allah, 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 the one true Lord, the only Lord, the Lord of the world, the most great, the most merciful, the master of the day, the one upon whom we depend, the one upon whom all life depends, the one upon whom all those who passed away depend, the one upon those who have yet to exist and depend. Allah, Allah, we all turn you in complete gratitude, Ya Allah. Allah, we thank you for what you've given us, Ya Allah. We thank you for all the gifts you've given us, Ya Allah. We thank you for our deen of Islam, Ya Allah. We thank you for our bodies, Ya Allah. We thank you for our souls, Ya Allah. We thank you for our Iman, Ya Allah. We thank you for our wealth, Ya Allah. We thank you for our health, Ya Allah. We thank you for our families, Ya Allah. We thank you for the for our functioning bodies, Ya Allah. We thank you for our uh, for those things that have gone right in our lives, Ya Allah. We thank you for those things that seemingly have gone wrong in our lives, but we know you have a better plan, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we thank you, Ya Allah. We thank you for our enemies, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, and we ask that you guide them to the straight path, Ya Allah. We thank you for our friends, Ya Allah, and we ask that you keep them strong upon your deen, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we thank you for our parents, Ya Allah. Those who are not Muslim, Ya Allah, guide them to Islam. Those who are Muslim, Ya Allah, guide them to Iman and Ihsan, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we thank you, Ya Allah, for letting us live in this time, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask that you protect us from the tribulations of this time, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask that you protect us from the difficulties of this time, Ya Allah. On oh, that one brother who's asked, Ya Allah, to make dua for his child. Allah, guide his child back to the deen, Ya Allah. Take him away, take him far away from the, 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 the confusion of atheism and agnosticism, Ya Allah. Allah, protect all of our children from this test, Ya Allah. Allah, remove the anxiety from this father's heart, Ya Allah. Allah, guide us, Ya Allah, to your straight path, Ya Allah. Guide us, Ya Allah, protect us, Ya Allah. Allah, protect our children, Ya Allah, and keep them firm on your path, Ya Allah. Allah, verily, these are, Ya Allah, this is our investment, Ya Allah. This is our, uh, this is our submission to you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, what we present to you in this world and the hereafter, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, do not let them be a tribulation, Ya Allah. For us, Ya Allah, make them the coolness eyes, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, let them be amongst those who make you happy, Ya Allah. Let's save our parents, Ya Allah, from any torment in the hereafter or any torment in the grave, Ya Allah. Let's save our children from any torment in the grave and torment in the hereafter, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, really, Ya Allah, you are so high and mighty, Ya Allah. You are so great, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we are nothing without you, Ya Allah. We are nothing without you, Ya Allah. We are nothing without you, Ya Allah. This month of Ramadan is coming to an end, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we may not live to see it end, Ya Allah. We thank you for the moments you gave us, Ya Allah. We ask your forgiveness, Ya Allah, for where we have slipped up, Ya Allah. We ask your forgiveness, Ya Allah, for where we have done things that were wrong, Ya Allah. We ask your forgiveness, Ya Allah, for where we did not take advantage this month, Ya Allah. All the, month, the days of mercy have passed, Ya Allah. Continue to shower your mercy upon us, Ya Allah. The days of forgiveness have passed, Ya Allah. Continue to forgive us, Ya Allah. The days of emancipation of the hellfire here, Ya Allah. We ask that you write us amongst those who are taken out of hell and freed from it forever, Ya Allah. Make our actions be of those people who are no longer to enter into hell, Ya Allah. Make our actions be acts of those who are entering into paradise, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, oh Allah, grant us true belief, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, take us away from all sins, Ya Allah. Take us away from major sins, Ya Allah. Take us away from the, the eyes, Ya Allah. Take us away from the sins of our hands, Ya Allah. Take us away from the sins of our finances, Ya Allah. Take us away from the sin of interest, Ya Allah. 
Allah take us away from the sin of lying, Ya Allah. Take us away from the sins of backbiting and slandering, Ya Allah. Allah take us away from the sins uh, of dis of any disobedience, Ya Allah. Take us away from the sin of Uqbalibain, Ya Allah. Do not let us ever violate our parents' rights over us, Ya Allah. Do not let us ever violate our, our spouse's rights over us, Ya Allah. Do not ever let us violate our children's rights over us, Ya Allah. Do not let us ever violate our siblings' rights rights over us, Ya Allah. Do not let us ever violate our neighbors' rights over us, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, oh Allah, bless our teachers, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, bless our elders, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, let us be, be, be people of truth, O Haid, Ya Allah. Let us see the blessing and that you've bestowed upon us, Ya Allah, and only grow in further firmness, Ya Allah. O Allah, our Prophet them, he came, Ya Allah, to just destroy the idols, Ya Allah. And we live in a day and age where we celebrate, Ya Allah. We have no shame. We watch shows like American Idol, Ya Allah, where people are used, literally using these terms, Ya Allah, of what you're planning to destroy, Ya Allah. O Allah, let there be no ma'abud but you in our lives, Ya Allah. Let there be no ilah but you in our lives, Ya Allah. Let there be no Rabb but you in our lives, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, let there be no Malik in our lives but you, Ya Allah. Let there be no Malik in our lives but you, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, let us always turn to you, Ya Allah. Let us learn about you and love you, Ya Allah. Let us completely, completely in love with you, Ya Allah. Let us be in love with your Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Allah. Let us embody his Spirit, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, let, uh, let, uh, let us be in complete anticipation for every prayer, Ya Allah. Let us be in anticipation for the next prayer, Ya Allah. Let us not be able to sleep through Fajr, Ya Allah. Let us pop up in the morning and reach the masjid to, 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 to be in your home and worship you, Ya Allah. Let us not be able to function, Ya Allah, with our Dhuhr, Asr, Mother Isha, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, let us be those who look forward to the, the seat of the night and the isolation with you alone, Ya Allah, in our Tahajjud, Ya Allah. Allah accept our fast, Ya Allah. Accept our sadaqah, Ya Allah. Let us be amongst those who are stingy, Ya Allah. Allah, if we have if we have our zakah, ya Allah, let us pay back our zakah, ya Allah. All our debts to you, ya Allah, let us begin to pay them back, ya Allah. All our debts to creation, let us pay them back, ya Allah. Take us out of that, ya Allah. Allah grant us success in all that we do, ya Allah. Grant us success in all that we do, ya Allah. Oh Allah, forgive us, ya Allah. Remove from us, ya Allah, these that burn us, ya Allah. Turn them into good, ya Allah. Oh Allah, we see Allah that you save us from the punishment of the grave, the punishment of the hellfire, the punishment of the, 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 the punishment of the of the day of judgment, Ya Allah. Save us from all these punishments, Ya Allah. Save us from the punishment of the dunya, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask that those who are struggling across the world, Ya Allah, those in Palestine, Ya Allah, those in Egypt, Ya Allah, Libya, Ya Allah, those in Iraq, Ya Allah, those in India, Ya Allah, those in Kashmir, Ya Allah. Those, Ya Allah, in, 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 uh, in different ways in the Rohingya uh, communities, Ya Allah. Allah, those who are struggling all across the world, Ya Allah. Of starvation, Ya Allah. Of war, Ya Allah. In oppression, Ya Allah. In racism and segregation, Ya Allah. In absolute massacre and war, Ya Allah. Like, and what's happening to our Uyghur brothers and sisters, Ya Allah. All that's happening across the world, Ya Allah. Allah, free them from these oppressions, Ya Allah. Free them from these hardships, Ya Allah. Allah, we live in comfort, Ya Allah. How will we be able to stand and look at them on the day of judgment and all that we live in, Ya Allah? We take moments, Ya Allah. Allah, we complain, Ya Allah, of donor fatigue. We forget about the fatigue of the mother, Ya Allah, who has to stay at night watching her child cry out of hunger, Ya Allah. Allah, we complain of donor fatigue, Ya Allah. If we don't even think of the fatigue of the father, Ya Allah, who has to go miles and miles foot, Ya Allah, to bring water back to the family, Ya Allah. Oh, become so selfish, Ya Allah. Turn us away from our selfish nature, Ya Allah. 
Oh Allah, turn us away from our selfish nature, Ya Allah. Turn us away from our selfish nature, Ya Allah. Allah, build this message of Quran, Ya Allah. Build it and construct it, Ya Allah. Let us be able to be in this gathering next year in the masjid, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, the brothers and sisters have been working hard to run programs in this community from Masjid Uthman, Ya Allah. But they only have a temporary facility, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, they want to build this house of Allah, a permanent facility on this earth to remember you, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, grant it for that, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, let us benefit, Ya Allah, in this month, Ya Allah. And let us continue to worship with this intensity outside this month, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, let us have our hearts attached to the Masjid, Ya Allah. Attach our hearts to the Masjid, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, today we have wronged people, Ya Allah. God to forgive us, Ya Allah, despite what we've done to them, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, you forgive us as well, Ya Allah. Allah grant us still faith to forgive others, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, there's so many people who have the knees out there, Ya Allah. Grant them to seek, Ya Allah. Grant them to seek, Ya Allah. Grant them to seek, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, there's people with needs, Ya Allah, who are grant them health, who are mentally or are struggling with their mental health, Ya Allah. Grant them recovery and health, Ya Allah. They are in need of wealth, Ya Allah, grant them wealth, Ya Allah. They're in pain, Ya Allah, grant them ease, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, they are going through they're going through fights in the family, Ya Allah, grant them closeness, Ya Allah, of one another again, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask for your aid, Ya Allah, we ask for your aid, Ya Allah, we ask for your aid, Ya Allah. The people who are seeking wealth, Ya grant them wealth and bar them their wealth, Ya Allah, grant us righteousness, Ya Allah. Grant us the feet to always be in submission to you, Ya Allah. Allahumma imana sadaqa min khayrina sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 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 sallallahu alayhi wa sallam